Let's start off with some prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for what you intend to do here this morning. Lord, we don't come here without a recognition that you have a plan for every purpose here, even me, even you this morning, and that you are fully able and willing and you've already provided everything we need. So Lord, we open up our hearts to believe you, to stretch forth and touch the truth this morning in our hearts, in our minds. Let us be transformed and challenged. Lord, as I speak these words, I ask that you lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. All right, so the title this morning is Majesty and Joy. Um, this, that's the thing about Christmas that I, I can't wait. There's always that, mo that there's a turning point for me every Christmas season where the majesty sets in where the wonder sets in, where that sense of anticipation sets in. You can feel it. It becomes tangible. It's in the air, you know, and, and, and that's exactly what it was like in Israel. They were in a state of anticipation 2,000 years ago. They had all kinds of prophecies from hundreds of years prior to thousands of years prior about Jesus. The first prophecy about the birth of a Messiah was in the garden, right after the fall, where, where God said that uh, the, the woman would have a seed. And I, and I don't want to get all into that, but I'm telling you, this has been, it was a long time coming. And as you know, if you have like an advent calendar with the kids and you open that door every day, right, that anticipation tends to build because they know there's something under the tree, Right, that sense of anticipation. The, the, the people who decided to create Christmas and, and, and have a feast to mark the incarnation of our God, all right, to mark the birth of the Messiah, they did this. It wasn't willy nilly, they were very deliberate about the way that they did this. And so, that sense of anticipation. We do that with our decorations. We do that with, uh, with our feasts. You're going to have a feast on Christmas Day. And if you're not invited to a feast yet, you need to talk to one of the pastors, and we're going to figure something out for you, all right? Because you've got to be feasting, all right? <laughs> so, look, there's a reason, because that it, it, it mimics that anticipation that Israel had. They were not in a good place 2,000 years ago. They were governed by Roman rule. They were oppressed, it wasn't just a happy situation. It wasn't, it, it, they were oppressed by uh, a foreign people with foreign gods, with foreign systems in a foreign language, and they were really stuck. But yet they had prophecy after prophecy about a Messiah that would come and establish a kingdom. And so this is what happened on Christmas, uh, on Christmas, uh, the first Christmas. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Verse 1, this is where the majesty sets in. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was, in, was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, that's key, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, 
his betrothed wife who is with child. And so as I continue reading this, I want you to just take this in and imagine it. Put yourself there then, all right? Put yourself on that trek that Joseph and Mary had to take to get back to his hometown. So it was while we were there, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Take that in, what that must have been like in that moment. You're the one out in that field, and then just appearing out of nowhere, the angel of the Lord glowing, radiating the glory and the presence of God, and then a light. You're doing the midnight shift, and now you can see everything because light has hit the place. And they were greatly afraid. I love the Greek word for great. It's, they were mega afraid. <laughs> All right? Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, mega joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel, I don't know why I'm doing sound effects this year, maybe I got, I, got so, I got a sound effect for everything. <laughs> and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So you're already blown away by the glory of God, the angel of the Lord, right? You're trying to figure out if you're alive or dead right now. You're trying to figure out what to do. Your knees are shaking, and on top of it all, the sky's filled with an angelic host. For all you can see from side to side are trumpets and banners and robes and just angels after angels singing and rejoicing, and it's just getting crazy because five minutes ago, you might have been arguing about who has to go get that goat over there. Who has to go get that sheep over there? And who said what about so-and-so? Come on. And then all of a sudden, all of that goes away. The, the, the veil is torn, and they're seeing heaven on earth, and these angels are announcing the birth of the Savior. The atmosphere becomes charged. It becomes electrified. And I'm telling you, I've had moments like this. If you haven't had a moment like this, you can have one right now. Come on, jump in with what God is doing. These aren't one-offs meant to be just, come on, these, come on, I'm telling you, this is for you. The announcement of Jesus' birth is to you. And let me tell you something. The song that they were singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men, that's a good song. Because if God was singing war, 
and anger toward men, you're cooked. You can't fight them. You can't beat them. What are you going to do? But that's not what he came to do. He didn't come to destroy us for our sin. He didn't come to destroy us for our mistakes. He didn't come to embarrass us for all the things we ever done. He came to bring us peace and goodwill. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let's go down to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled. This word marveled, you don't want to overlook. Marvel is the same they were now carrying that same atmosphere, that same glory, that same shock and awe, that same sense of majesty was all over them while they told everybody about all of this and it transferred onto them and they were in a state that they call, they marveled. It's almost like being in a trance-like state. It's almost like you're being shell-shocked in a good way. All right? And so they're like, wow, what's all of this? All right? And all those that heard it marveled at those things that were told them by the shepherds, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. There's a, a sense of majesty overcame them. Just because they were shepherds didn't mean that they weren't aware of the prophecies of a Messiah. You ever had a prophecy or you look at a prophecy and, and, and it's just as if like, sure, but it's not going to happen or when will it happen? Surely not in my lifetime. Surely for everybody else but me. And, and, and these were those kind of guys. This announcement was not made down at the local synagogue. This announcement with the angels and the glory of God and the angelic host and the angel of the Lord, that, they weren't sent down to the Bible schools. They weren't sent down to, to the, the, the different political halls and, and all these kinds of places. They didn't go to the big shots. They didn't go to the titans of business. They went to some shepherds, some everyday guys just working to put food on the table, you know, working the night shift, all right? And so listen, this is the kind of God who... <laughs> pre-plans everything perfectly with precision and providence and carries it out without mistake. It wasn't a lapse of planning that Jesus ended up being born in a manger. It wasn't like, I just forgot that detail. You know what I mean? You ever make a plan and you just forget three details and then you hear about it later? <laughs> That's not what happened here with Jesus. The Lord was very intentional. I'm not putting him in the Taj Mahal. I'm not putting him over here. I'm not put, he's not getting born in the Temple of Solomon. He's not getting born over here, there, and everywhere. I'm, gonna, I'm putting him in a barn, Godfrey. I'm going to put him in a barn with some animals. There's not even going to be a bassinet. Come on. 
They're going to have to empty out the feeding trough and put the king of everything, God in the flesh, in there himself. Because God wants you to know from that generation to this generation, he is not ashamed of you or what you might have come out of or what you might have been born in or any of those kind of circumstances. He's always, come on, he's not ashamed to the degree that he became just like us. He loves us. He made us because he loves us. That's the whole point. And when God made, come on, before the fall and everything, he made man in his own image. Why? So he could punch him in the head? No. He made him in his image so that they, they can partner together, so that they can garden together, so they can walk together, so they can rule together. All right? And then he said, it's very good. Very good. Right? And the fall was very bad. And he's like, I need to get this very good again. He's like, the only way to do it is to become one of them. And so, Scripture says that he is so great, and he is, so, he is such the most high, he has to condescend even to go into heaven. He created the heavens. Come on. Think about how awesome he is. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. With him, there is no beginning and there is no end. He's timeless. He's eternal. He's infinite. He's everlasting. And he could have, I mean, anything, he could have made any, he could have made an awesome, he, he could have caused Jesus to be born in a Ford Raptor, you know, or that Tesla Cybertruck. He could have done any of those things, but he chose this to identify with you. Come on. And so guess what? Um, the Israelites at the time had this expectation that something was about to happen, and then it did. And the angels say, I've got good news. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, I mean, Gola did such an amazing job of making the gospel so simple for us. He's our evangelist and missionary that we support in Indonesia. And he's like, news is only news because it's about something that has already happened. You can't give news about something that hasn't happened yet. And so the angel said, I got good news. Come on. This has happened. This is now, it's hit real time now. And so when these guys went and beheld the baby, imagine like, can I hold him? You ever go to somebody's house and they just had a baby and you're like, not sure if they're going to let you want to hold them. You don't want to be like, you can't hold my baby, you know, like, you know. Listen, I, like, I, don't, know what, I don't know what that must have felt like. But listen, they at least got to lay eyes on him. They laid eyes on him. Listen, this is, this is who they know him to be. In Isaiah 7, 14, and this is the New King James, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. They were like, this, this is what happened here. This is that one. And it's clicking into reality Think about this. Emmanuel means God with us. This is so important. This is, let's talk about the incarnation for a second. If you don't know what the incarnation is, it's a theological term that describes God becoming man. And I was doing my best during family devotions earlier this week with my girls to explain the incarnation. And my wife gave me the look like, Adam, there you go again. Because I start breaking down incarnation to root words and carne. And now I'm explaining what carne is. It, it's, it's, it means flesh. It's like meat, you know? And my kids are eight and ten and five and two. 
I'm like, you know, like chili con carne. Just chili with meat. Carne is meat. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't want them to think we're just meat. So it's like, it's, it's the flesh. And it's just like, we're embodied though. We're like, we have a soul and we're, we're in our flesh. And it's, and somehow it's like chili con carne. But it's, it's not like chili con queso because con is with and queso is cheese, right? And you can have salsa con queso. That's salsa with cheese. And you can have chili con carne, which is chili with meat. And my wife is like, oh, there he goes again. And the kids are like, yeah. I'm like, you guys understand me? Yeah, dad. It's like chili con carne. Great job, Adam. <laughs> This is God concarne, all right? God becomes a man, all right? This is, this is what it means. God becomes embodied. He's a spirit that becomes embodied. And, and here's the idea here. The incarnation, listen, without the incarnation, you can't get any of the rest of it. If, if it wasn't God that died upon the cross, because there's a lot of dudes that died on those Roman crosses, none of them affected anything for the rest of us. None of them did anything at all. But when Jesus did it, it was different because he was God. Because he didn't have an earthly father. Come on, the whole idea here is his father is God. His mom conceived without the assistance of any dudes whatsoever. It was God's word that came about and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and whoop, she now had a a baby that was growing in her stomach. God had entered the scene. It's just awesome. I love, I, I love thinking about this. And it's just like God becomes a man. And so they're looking at the God that became a man like this is the one that created everything. This is the one that spoke the universe into existence. You look at the expanse of the sky and all the rest of it, and it's him. Just a little baby, helpless. And, 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 and this has thrown other religions that try to bring Jesus into the mix, throws them for a loop. They don't know what to do with it. But the scripture is clear in 1 John 4, 2 and 3. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Yep. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is already in the world. Well, that settles it. The incarnation is absolutely necessary as part of the things that I believe to know Christ truly. If you deny the incarnation or you have an angelic visitation, if they would have came and said, he's not born of the flesh, it's false. I don't care what dazzling show they put on, right? And so if somebody claims a prophecy, somebody tells you an angel came to them and said, well, you know, all of it's true except, you know, God doesn't have a son. Well, you know, you can flush that down the toilet, right? You can flush it. It's false prophecy because this is how you know that the Spirit is from, it's the Holy Spirit. You know this is from God is when he is in alignment with truth, we absolutely need Jesus to be God. He's 100% God and 100% man. It might be a bit to chew on up here, but for the heart, you know it's right. 
That's for your heart. That's for your soul. You may not be able to figure out all the ins and outs of it, but listen, when it, it, when it hits the heart, your heart knows it's right. Because the Scripture says that God has put eternity in our hearts. There's a part of our heart that rings and registers and resonates when truth is heard. All right? And so, listen, uh, Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and we will call, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Hold on. There was an expectation that the Messiah wasn't just going to be a regular guy. There was prophecy after prophecy that declared that the Messiah would somehow be also man and a God. He would be God. He would be Yahweh in the flesh. It says it right here, and yet so many have missed it. The mighty God, you can't just say that about everybody. You can only say that about Jesus. Everlasting Father, find somebody you can say that. Find a father out there that lasted forever. The only one you're going to find is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And listen to this, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform all of this. So again, we're seeing here that David received a prophecy that his throne would last forever, but there would be a ruler from his genealogy uh, that would be descendant of his who would sit on that throne forever, which means he's never going to die, which means it's ne his reign is never going to stop. And that cannot be said of regular men. Not until Jesus rose from the dead, that is. And so this is about Jesus. This is about, they understood that there's something special about this Messiah because apparently um, when he sits on that throne, he's never getting off which means he's never going to die. And that's on the throne of David. And so they know um, there will be no end. And the only one you can say that about truly is Jesus. And they, maybe they didn't understand it all, and maybe it was somewhat cryptic to them, but here comes the shepherds looking at him. I mean, you can look at Jesus and recognize that he is that one. You can look at him the same way those shepherds look at him. You can look at him in the word. You can look at him and recognize that by the Holy Spirit, this is, these things that we are saying and preaching that is contained in the Bible is more real than the life you're experiencing right now. It's more real than your ability to perceive it. And so we know he's also a king. He's also God. He's also the creator. And he's also a king. And so they realize things are going to change. Come on, when a king is born, hallelujah, things change. Micah 5.2, it says this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you were little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you came forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So again, the idea is the man here, who's going to come forth to God has a pre-existent life that is forever. It's Yahweh. He's the only one who can qualify. And, and all the gods of the nations, all of the angels, the devil himself, all the humans, they all had a starting point. 
Except Yahweh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have always been and they always will be. And that's what happens in Micah. He's like, somehow that one is coming. All right? And so they're looking at him. This is the one that's come from of old. Just let that majesty set in on you. Think about that. He's, he's from all the way. Like how? Just think about the mystery and the majesty of that. And then look, not on top of all of this, he's the anointed Isaiah 11, 1 to 2, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse is King David's dad, all right? And a branch shall grow out of his roots, out of the stump, okay? And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And so we understand that all of the anointings there ever were, the supernatural capabilities because of the presence of the Holy Spirit on all of the prophets, on all of the kings, on all of the priests, we're going to come upon a person in fullness in the Messiah. And you're looking at him, and he's just a baby. I imagine the visit lasted maybe three, four hours, and someone had to change his pampers. And it's just how do you reconcile this helpless, innocent little baby with his destiny? with his purpose, with his plan, with God's wisdom. I'm telling you, the devil never saw it coming. And so what happened with this, and, and what I want you to do is, have you considered his majesty? When you think about this holiday season, when you think about the bills, when you think about the rest of this year, when you think about the New Year's resolutions you set in place in, for 2023, when you think about some of the mistakes you've made, when you think about some of the, the challenges you're up against, when you think about next year, when you think about the U.S. elections, when you think about all the craziness, have you considered also his majesty? If you think about your mistakes, actually, you're focusing incorrectly. Focus on his majesty. And then all of a sudden, that stuff starts to melt away. Because what happens is majesty will produce joy. And these guys went from majesty to joy like that. They were rejoicing. And so think about it. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. You cannot have any more joy than you can get in the presence of Jesus. And these shepherds got it. Here they are looking at him. Listen, there are some people that got into the presence of the Lord and their hearts were in such a state as they didn't experience joy. They experienced anger or apathy or jealousy or hatred or whatever it was. But I'm telling you, when you come to Christ, and, and, and I'm telling you, you, when you come and you see him for who he is, when it all registers and rings true, and when you let it, you just let it be what it is, it's the absolute truth, what happens is joy leaps up in your heart. Because in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And we need the joy. Come on, this is like my favorite part of the message. We need joy. Listen, Luke 2.30, we skip a little bit ahead in this, same, in this same chapter. Simeon was a guy who stood in the, the temple. And they went to dedicate Jesus at the temple. And he picked up Jesus and he said, My eyes have seen your salvation. He's looking at salvation himself. Salvation isn't just an experience you need to have. Salvation isn't just a doctrine you need to believe. Salvation is a person. And outside of the person, 
There is no salvation. Salvation is in Jesus. His very name means Yahweh is salvation. He embodies and epitomizes salvation. You have Jesus, you have salvation. He who has the Son has life. It's all over the scripture. And so you can have a great religion, you can have a great church, you can have a great doctrine, but you gotta have Jesus. You gotta have Jesus. It starts and ends with Jesus. It's, it's all about Jesus. And so um, Simeon realized this. Simeon was so happy. This is what he said. Um, so we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a snapshot of what he said. Luke 2.25, a man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. This might not pop up on the back wall. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel. You see what I mean about the anticipation? Israel was rife with anticipation. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. All right? Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, now, Master, let your servant go into peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. He's like, I can die now. The Holy Spirit told him, you, can't die. you won't die until you see the Messiah and salvation. He picks him up and he's like, I can die now. You ever felt like that? You had a great accomplishment. You had a great day. Everything is just like, I can't see it getting any better than this, Lord. I, you know, I can die now. Right? Come on, I've had services like that. It's like, this is, a, this is before I had a wife and kids. It's like, you know, it's like, like, you know what? I can die now. And I woke up the next day. I was like, okay, well, I guess he's got more in store for me. Okay? But Simeon, that was not the case. <laughs> Simeon was like, I can die now. Imagine that joy. He was just cut loose. Like, listen, he's been hanging on for so long. The anticipation was growing every day. Every baby that went into that temple was like, hmm? I don't know. You know? You ever, like, trying to figure out who should pray for in a crowd, and you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to put, like, an arrow over there? Yeah, that Joel guy. Yeah, okay. But it doesn't happen a lot of times. Listen, something happened when he saw Jesus where his heart began to leap with joy. And he's like, this is him. Undeniably, this is him. That's the thing about Jesus. When you really encounter him, all the denial goes away. All the doubt goes away. Listen, you need to get to the point where you're not guessing about who he is anymore and it all melts away. I know for sure. I have an assurance. You can't talk me out of it. How can you talk me out of a person? How can you talk me out of being delivered from, you know, alcoholism, addictions, being an idiot, you know, all kinds of things? You can't talk me out of that. Nothing else worked. <laughs> yeah, the more I tried, it was like making it worse, you know? But listen, Jesus did all the trying on the cross, and he gave it to me for free. All I need to do is receive him and he breaks every chain. He breaks every chain. So you can't talk me out of that. Right? Because I'm not, I'm, come on, I'm not who I used to. Okay, I'm going, anyway, listen, I'm having a good time here. Listen what he prophesies then. My eyes have seen your salvation. It's a person. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's everybody who's not Jewish. 
and a glory for your people Israel. This is like, Jesus is for everybody. Every kind of people group, every kind of language, every kind of ethnic group, doesn't matter. Jesus is for everybody. His father and his mother were amazed by what was said about him. They're still amazed after all of that. She had a, ba- she had a baby, with, with, you know, like miraculously. And they're, they're amazed by that. So Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, this boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a great sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. Wow, Simeon wasn't playing around. So listen, this joy, you know, where, you know how you really access this joy and it, and it stops being a moment here? In a moment there, King David released the secret to it. In Psalm 51, 12, David made a huge mistake in sin, and he was praying. This is like the whole psalm is his prayer of repentance. And he says to the Lord, restore the joy of salvation to me and provide me with a spirit of willing obedience. Listen, salvation comes with joy. If your salvation came with misery, I don't know, it's not salvation. And maybe you got saved, but you just didn't put two and two together, and and, and so you haven't accessed the joy, but faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word, and the word of God is, if you got saved and you received Jesus, you get the joy package. It comes with it. It's part of the deal. You get all of it. It says fullness of joy. He doesn't give you halfness of joy or someness of joy. He gives you fullness of joy. That's joy overflowing and full of glory. That's what he gives you in salvation, all right? And so listen, think about this. Luke 15, verse 10. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Listen, God's whole kingdom is filled with joy. Do you know right now on planet Earth, 200,000 people a day are receiving Jesus Christ? There is, yeah, come on. There is a nonstop party in heaven because this thing keeps getting better and better. 20,000 a day in China alone. Okay? And so think about the majesty. Think about the joy that's erupting everywhere. Think about how good God is. And, and, and think about the party in heaven. Like, like right when you think that the music's starting to die down, there's another one. Boom. Boom, there goes the, you know, there goes the confetti again, you know. There goes the horns, there goes the trumpets. Nobody nobody stopped dancing. 200,000 people a day, you know, like that means it just doesn't stop right now. Planet Earth, that means planet Earth can actually get better. It doesn't all have to be doom and gloom. Listen, when people are saved, come on, like, um, you love your neighbor, you even love your enemies, you know, you can love yourself, you can love God, like, and then all of a sudden, like, people stop doing crazy things to each other. So look, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for this world. Listen, Nehemiah uh, says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need strength. If you don't have strength, don't try to get strength right away. Try to get joy. It's so easy. It's, it's like the back door into, like, I don't want to get stronger, you know, uh, well, I'm talking about inner strength. I'm talking about the ability to persevere in these times. I'm talking about the ability to feel good throughout this holiday season, through the new year, and next year and the rest of your life. 
This is how you're going to develop that inner strength, recognition of the presence of God, because in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. And so uh, think about that. So you have the presence of God, you've received Jesus, which means salvation has come, you see his presence, his presence has come, that produces joy and that produces strength, and all of a sudden, you can't lose. You go from strength to strength, you go from victory to, you need strength for victory. Come on. And so this gospel is that good. You can have the strength you need for each day of your life. And... uh, Listen, the whole kingdom is filled with joy. Majesty and joy, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. There's nine fruits of the Spirit, all right? Um, Romans 14, 17, we always quote the scripture around here. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, So if your religion is not producing joy, you're probably in the wrong stream, right? And And listen, I need to tell you the truth that when you have Jesus, things get good and you can have joy. You realize Jesus is the anointed one, and, and even in Hebrews 1, it says that he's anointed with the oil of joy and gladness. And so when he blesses you, when you come and you receive him, his oil gets all over you, all right? And so maybe you're in a place of mourning. The scripture says he's given you the oil of joy for mourning. Where are you going to get the oil of joy? From the one who's anointed with the oil of joy. Jesus. Come on. And so at this time, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about where you've been, what you've been through. Maybe if there's someone you need to forgive, it's just not worth it compared to his majesty, compared to the joy of the Lord. Maybe, maybe there's a few things that went wrong. Maybe there's a few things that are going sideways. Maybe you're not looking forward to Christmas dinner or whatever the case may be, but let me tell you something. If you have Jesus, you'll have that sense of majesty and joy that you need. You'll have the strength that you need. I just feel like the Lord's even moving right now. He's touching people. Um, yeah, so Holy Spirit, go ahead. Breathe on your people this morning. I feel like there's people here that are saying in their hearts, Adam, what you're saying sounds good, but uh, that hasn't happened to me yet. Today is your day. I said, how do you get that to happen? It's super easy. It's almost hard to explain how simple it is. He's already pouring out his joy. His majesty is already in the room. You just have to look to him. You don't open up your heart to him. Not even to me. Maybe you think the shirt is stupid. Maybe you think that um, I'm just not your kind of guy. Listen, I'm talking about Jesus here. He's your kind of guy. He's the one who's going to do all of this. He's the one that's going to take you and give you eternal life. He's the one that forgives all sin. He's the one that destroys guilt and shame and, and dishonor and all that stuff. He destroys the condemnation. That's who he is. And so, Holy Spirit, I just, why don't we all do this? Why don't we open our hands a little bit like this? And we just pretend it's like a picture of your heart that you're opening up before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, come. I receive you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. I believe in you. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're my King. You're my Lord. I turn from sin. I ask that you forgive me of all sin. I ask you to redeem me based on what you did for me on that cross. 
Now I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you minister to each person according to their need, the need that they really need right now. I just release that touch from heaven right now. I just tell you, the Lord is breathing on you right now. And you can have as much of Jesus as you want. You can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I just release the fullness of joy over you, because we're in the presence of the Lord. I just release that sense of majesty over you that you are provided for, that you are taken care of, that he loves you, that you are well-loved, that you have a place in his kingdom, in Jesus' name. I just feel like there might be some people here as well, and you're thinking, this is good, this is happening, but the fear creeps in and the voice creeps in that says, okay, but you're going to fail as soon as you leave here. You're going to make that same mistake as soon as you leave here. And I want you to know that that voice is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's not even your voice. In Jesus' name, I separate that voice. I silence that voice in the name of Jesus. And I release the truth that for every temptation, God has made a way of escape for you, that he has equipped you, that he has given you the grace to say no and to say yes according to what's right and wrong in Jesus' name. And even people, you might be experiencing anxiety in Jesus' name. I break that power off of your life. And it just seems like that anxiety has been something that changes the way that you ought to be viewing your life. You know things are good, but you're not enjoying them. That's anxiety. I break its power right now. It's a lying power trying to rob you of your joy. And Jesus is taking that away from you. He took that all on the cross to give you his joy, to give you an optimistic outlook, to give you a hope. I believe the number one thing that God wanted to do today is inspire hope in you for your life, for your family, for the things that you would love to see changed, for the, right, for the wrongs that you'd like to see made right. He's inspiring hope. He's speaking to your heart. Don't let go. Don't give up in Jesus' name.